Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking for Him podcast. Grateful to be with you for another show. I hope you had a wonderful week. And we are continuing our month of thankfulness. And we are going to talk about being thankful for family. But before we dig into that, I just wanted um, to give you a little bit of what is going on. All right, so today, if you are from my local area of the great state of Michigan, you know that we are in lockdown part two, and that for the next three weeks, um, high schools will be closed, and several other businesses will be closed, like restaurants and places where people tend to congregate in large groups. Now, the good news is that it is not as inclusive as the previous lockdown, at least at this point. Hairdressers are able to be open, and some other businesses that were not previously allowed are able to continue their business practices and there is outdoor dining where available now of course it gets a little more dicey with the colder weather rolling in but we'll see how all that shakes out i have two stories if you will that i'd like to share with you in this what's going on statement as far as culturally and then we'll dig into our main segment of the show and the first one is uh, because Harry Styles um, recently appeared on Vogue magazine wearing very frilly dresses. And so there's been a cultural discussion kind of started by Candace Owens, who stated the need for men to be manly and said that wearing dresses is a symptom of the fact that our culture has become feminized and more than just feminization is, I think, the situation that we have decided that all gender is fluid, even though the Bible says that God made them male and female. And I think it's kind of crazy to think that about some of the co comparisons that liberals are making, uh, like saying, well, Jesus wore a robe. It is interesting that you say that, because even in the Old Testament, which Jews of Jesus' day were known for following, it talks specifically about how a man is to put on the things that portray to a man and a woman is to put on the things that portray to a woman. God knew what he was doing when he made them male and female. And not only does it say in Genesis that he made them male and female, but when Jesus was addressing the very issue of marriage upon which our society is based, he said, has not God from the beginning made them male and female? So he brought the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, back to Genesis when he was talking about the all-important institution of marriage. So I think that kind of negates uh, any discussion on whether feminine apparel like dresses, especially of the frilly variety, belong on a man. You cannot compare a frilly feminine dress with a kilt. A kilt is very obviously a masculine outfit, whether we would appreciate it in this culture or not. And I think the same can be said for biblical, biblical era attire. There were things that men wore and there were things that women wore. And I think that when we attack 
gender, when we attack uh, men and women as being different, we are criticizing the creativity of our creator. He knew that men and women would both be needed, and he created women to be helpers for men. That is a fact that is established in the Bible. And when we argue with the Bible, we put ourselves on shaky ground because the only way for a society to exist in a proper manner is to have a fixed standard. And that is basically where we are at as a culture that we are no longer in a fixed standard. And that's one of the things that here at Speaking for Him, we try to stand on is the fixed standard of the Bible and of following the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a lot of things floating floating around that pretend to be Christianity, but true Christianity is following Jesus wholeheartedly, and Jesus knew what he was doing when he made you a man or a woman. Uh, I can state that without reserve. And... You know, there are verses that says there is no longer male or female. That is not talking about your gender. That is talking about your position before God. Because often in the Jewish culture and cultures around the world, women are considered less than their male counterparts. And God constantly affirmed and Jesus constantly affirmed that that is not the case. But that does not take away from the creativity and the purpose with which God created us. If you look at many passages about the family, you will see the responsibilities of the husband, the responsibilities of the wife, and the responsibilities of the children delineated specifically. And it will say things like in Titus where it says, this is so that the word of God be not blasphemed. So the roles of men and women in our culture in our churches, in our families, are not separated from doctrine and theology. They are a part of doctrine and theology. This is so important as we get into our topic later about being thankful for family because God had a specific design for the family as he intended it, and it was because he wanted all things done decently in order. And that's a good segue to the second thing that I want to share in this um, What's Going On segment, and that is some sad news in in my biblically-based opinion that Hallmark will be debuting um, their first homosexual-friendly movie on November 22nd. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Um, number one is, obviously... We need to be aware of this and not give this movie our support. Um, the Bible says that God made marriage for a man and a woman for life. And it's very sad to me that a channel that has been devoted to family-friendly entertainment is going down this road. And it brings up a very interesting and, in my mind, slightly difficult situation. Um, cause it would be easy, as we often say in Christian circles, when somebody comes up with something like this to boycott. But 
the reason I'm not leaping fully on that train is because I have really enjoyed many Hallmark productions over the years. And one of my favorite current TV shows, When Calls the Heart, is on Hallmark. And I know that two of the creators, at least, are born-again Christians who try to bring their faith to bear on everything they create in the When Calls the Heart universe. So the question becomes, does someone as a believer who has the opportunity to create this program for Hallmark stay in that space as a witness as long as they are allowed to create what they are called to create or do they leave because Hallmark has opened themselves up to another worldview. And I'm sure there's going to be a varying amount of opinions on this. Obviously, I'm not saying to capitulate to that worldview. Obviously, I'm not saying if you're a believer, you should have to incorporate that into your work. Like, for instance, if they wanted to incorporate the uh, the homosexual agenda into When Calls the Heart and the people that were creating it felt the need to capitulate to that. I think that's a whole nother issue. Speaking for myself, uh, I believe that there is a case to be made for being a biblical example and witness within this world. Now, obviously if, if this is just the tip of the iceberg and things continue to go south, that might change. But at this point, I am hoping that their ratings, or rather decline of ratings, for this particular film will dictate to them that that is not something that the vast majority of their viewers would want. I think that we're in a place right now in our culture where we think that acceptance means agreement. Because I can accept someone who is homosexual, and I can understand that it's not my job to make them not that. But I also have an obligation as a believer to make sure that they know the truth and that I continue to espouse the truth. We have, equ- we have equated love with agreement, but the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So we need to make sure that we are telling the truth in love, but also know that the truth will sometimes be interpreted as hate because it is the truth and because it goes against the cultural norms. So I would like to get honest feedback from you. What is your opinion on this issue? Uh, will you still be watching Hallmark this holiday season? I, I'm, I'm really saddened by this, uh, this, thing that has happened with them because Hallmark was always that place where you could escape and watch a film and know that it was going to be, uh, uphold, uphold good morals, not have sex or violence or any of the things that you come to expect in other fair. And Hallmark was that separate place. And now we're bringing in another worldly agenda into Hallmark. And when it, when this first happened, I, I kind of got the feeling that people that never uh, watched Hallmark decided, hey, there's not enough uh, inclusivity in Hallmark. Let's go after them. 
And, and I often feel like that's the way it is with a lot of the culture wars is that, is that people who have no vested interest in certain things make them an issue, uh, because that's what they do. They wake up and they say, what can we be offended about today? I feel that way often about when people want to change the mascots of sports teams. I, I, I hear so many stories where, they say we need to change this because it's offensive. And then someone who is of the people group that was depicted by the offensive um, sports team says, I'm not offended. I actually like the fact that this is the way it is. And when someone who is supposed to be offended isn't offended, then the person who says you're supposed to be offended gets offended at you for not being offended. That's the crazy world in which we live. So again, I, w- I would, I would really like your honest feedback on this issue. I think I'm going to continue to cautiously watch Hallmark, but I wanted you to be aware of The Christmas House, which is debuting on November 22nd. I would definitely encourage you to reach out to Hallmark and let them know your opinions on this matter so they are clear on it. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I would encourage you to... um cautiously continue to support the good things that are going on at Hallmark. And that kind of dovetails on a Facebook Live video I did yesterday where I talked about the fact that I wouldn't be leaving Facebook. There's been a lot of talk about leaving Facebook because they censor uh, conservative views. And I understand people's frustration and I share it, but my main point in that was the fact that if I go to a, another social media platform where my message is not censored, but my message is only going out to five or ten people as opposed to uh, the thousand connections plus that I have on Facebook, am I really getting the message across? And when the disciples were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. They went back to the upper room. This is Acts chapter 4. And they did not hide. They prayed for more boldness to share Christ. And so in my view, as long as I have an opening to share Christ on Facebook, I will continue to do that. So I just wanted to to talk to you about these things There's a lot going on in our culture that is trying to push us away from the definitive moral standard. Both of these stories deal with the fact that that having a view where God made men and women in a specific way for a specific purpose is wrong. And so we as Christians need to know what the Bible says and we need to defend it well because biblical literacy is not something that we are promoting these days. As a matter of fact, I was watching a video while I was prepping for this show, just this morning as a matter of fact, that talked about how in today's modern church, if a man is studying his Bible, if he believes the Bible, if he's passionate about the Bible, we often tell him that perhaps God is calling him to the ministry because we we equate a love for the Bible and a knowledge of the Bible with the fact that you need to be a pastor because we put pastors on a pedestal above the layman 
And we don't expect laymen to know their Bible. We don't expect laymen to study their Bible. We don't expect laymen to have a biblical literacy. And we need to get to a place where we encourage everyone to open their Bible. Paul commended the Bereans because when he went and preached to them, they didn't just uh, listen to him and say, okay, Paul, if you believe it, we must believe you because you are a very sound person. No. What does it say about the Bereans? It says they searched the scriptures to know whether these things were so. And that's the type of environment we need to foster in our churches today. And that's the type of person that we need to be. Whether God has called you to pulpit ministry or not, you need to know the Bible. Because there's plenty of people that say that they were called to pulpit ministry that are not preaching the Word of God. So we need to know the difference. All right, well, as I have alluded to, it is still our month of thankfulness here on the Speaking for Him podcast. So today we are digging into yet another thing to be thankful for. Of course, we're only touching... Uh, four different aspects of that this month of November. So there's plenty of other things that I'm sure you can think of to be thankful for. If you can think of something that I don't mention on the podcast, please let us know. As a matter of fact, I would love it for you to let me know what you are thankful for this Thanksgiving season. And if you share a voicemail on my blog, I would be glad to include that clip with your permission on next week's show. So please make use of that. And if you don't want to leave a voicemail, you can leave an email or a Facebook comment with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. So as we embark upon this uh, topic of being thankful for your families, first of all, let me say that I know that not everyone has an intact family uh, like I do. I'm thankful to have a mother and father who have loved each other for over 40 years, to have 10 siblings, and to have now several in-laws and 24 nieces and nephews, for which I am very thankful. So I understand that some of this stuff may be hard to hear because it's because some of us are in less than ideal situations, and I understand that. But I do feel that in some ways this makes this, this material and this discussion even more important. Because God has a standard and an ideal for how families are supposed to operate. And if we want to get our culture back, if we want to get our foundation back, we need to go back to the blueprint and say, okay, it doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what my friends are doing. It doesn't matter what my parents did in the past. What do I need to do to get my life decently and in order? And so I, I'm praying for you that you will uh, receive this information in the spirit in which it is given, that it will bless you, and that it will encourage you to do your best to follow God's plan for your family. With that being said, I want to share with you our quote of the day.
Okay, our quote of the day comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Again, that's Genesis two twenty-one to 24 and And I think that's why those stories that we shared in the beginning of the podcast were so important because they go right along with today's podcast topic. The fact that God ordained the family and he has a role for each of us within that unit. And so that's what we'll be focusing on today. I think it's pretty amazing that God created all of the animals, all of the aspects of the earth, and then he creates man, and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And then after Adam names all the animals, Adam realizes there wasn't a helper for him. And then God meets Adam's need when he brings Eve to him. He puts Adam to sleep. He takes the rib out of the man and he makes Eve. This is such a a fundamental thing, but it's such a need to understand because a lot of times when we talk about the family order or male leadership, even in the church, we bristle and we say, well, it's only because of the fall. No, actually it's not. God said before the fall, when everything was perfect, The man needs a helper. I will create a helper for him. And so he created Eve. Out of man. Man was created from the dust of the ground. Woman was created from man. That's biblical truth. You cannot refute it as a believer. And it's... it's, fundamental to the other things that we will discuss because we're going to be discussing the way that God put the family together. So, as we're talking about being thankful for our families, this introduction reminds us that the family was the foundational unit of society, not government. Today, the government wants us to believe that they are the foundation of a good society. The more government control, the better. If we just had socialism in the USA, things would be so much better. It's, it's a lie. It's just not true. A society is only as strong as its families. Families make up churches and neighborhoods and cities and states and nations. 
They're all made up of families. So within the context of the family, what should we be thankful for? First of all, if you are a wife, be thankful for your husband. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Proverbs 13.22 Now I'm sure this passage comes up most often when we're talking about financially wise decisions. But I want to focus on the other things that inheritance can mean. Because remember, Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because it's the heavenly treasure that will last. It's the heavenly treasure that you can take with you. So I want us to think, men, how are we leaving an inheritance for our children? Are you a man of the word so they can see that your strength comes from God? Do you love and cherish your wife as Christ does the church? Because that's your job. Do you keep your promises as much as possible? Proverbs says a good name is rather to be chosen than silver. So are these the things that you are sharing with your children? And yes, financial responsibility does play into it because if you are a wise, godly man, I believe that having a financial inheritance to share with your children is a good thing and can be an outgrowth of these things. But the most important things are the intangibles. It only took one generation for the children of Israel to forget God. As soon as the people that had served with Joshua died, they forgot God and served idols. Only took one generation. That is why I do what I do here at Speaking for Him, because these things that the Bible says about the family are so key to the rest of society. Everything hinges on what we do as a family, because the family is the launching point for every person. So the next thing is Husbands, be thankful for your wife. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. It's interesting to me that the average marrying age these days is 29 to 30 years old. It used to be much younger. 
now people who want to get married young are often criticized and and told not to rush into things. And there is a degree of wisdom to that, but there's also a dumbing down of culture. Do you realize that when George Washington was a teenager, he was basically in charge of things at his family's farm? He was also a surveyor hired by the government at 14 or 15 years old. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be that. What I'm saying is there's a big gap between a 14 and 15 year old surveyor and a 26, 27 year old whose biggest accomplishment is beating the next level of Call of Duty. We need to foster a culture in which it's a good thing to be a man. And it's a good thing to prepare for a wife because the thing is, it's not something where you go, I'm not prepared at all. And then I get married and the next day I'm totally ready. No, this is something that you need to be prepared for. And on that note, men and women, I think we need to stop with the ball and chain jokes around weddings. You know, usually they're delivered with good humor and we joke about someone's last night of freedom being their bachelor or bachelorette party. We even do that somewhat in Christian circles, and I think the narrative needs to change. Because we fostered a situation in our culture where it is no longer good to be tied down, quote-unquote. instead of realizing that a man leaving his father and mother and starting a new family and cleaving to his wife is indeed a good thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So maybe you're in a marriage and you're struggling right now. May I encourage you to think back on when you met that person that you love? Men, do you remember what it was like to meet that wife who is your good thing? I just want to encourage you with that today and encourage you to remember what you loved about them. And then make sure that you pray for them and intentionally do good for them. The next thing on our list of thankfulness when it pertains to the family is to be thankful for your children. This is another one that kind of gets bandied about in our culture. You know, as these lockdowns have commenced, a big part of them has been the shutdown of the traditional school. 
and and parents have been panicking and and some parents think the Lord have found that it's been a really beneficial thing to be around their children more. I'm very grateful to have heard those stories, but you also hear the stories about parents who can't stand to be around their kids. Who wish with everything in them that the schools were back open, not because so much they want their kids to learn, but because they want their kids to be somewhere else so that they can go to work and have their career. I think this has been fostered by the commodity approach to children. Listen to what the Bible says about children. In Psalm 127, 3 through 5, God says this, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, if you're going out on a hunting expedition and you're using a bow, are you going to take two or three arrows or are you going to take five, six, maybe seven arrows? The answer is probably the more the better. I want to be very careful here to say that it's not a shame to have a small family if that's what God intended for you. But I truly wonder how much blessing we are missing out on by taking too much control of that area of our lives. I'm the oldest of 12 children, one brother in heaven, 10 siblings here on earth. And my sister Charity, especially over the last couple of years, has become an extreme blessing to me. And every once in a while I think, well, what if my mom and dad had stopped after two or three or four? I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do. I really believe, I truly believe, if I didn't have the support network I have in the family that I have. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to have a million kids. Whenever this comes up, I always think of Jacob because Jacob, he had 13 kids. Okay. 12 sons and a daughter. And that seems like a lot, but if you break it down and you realize that he had four wives, we're talking about 3.5 kids per wife. So I don't think it's necessarily God's will for everyone to have a gigantic family. But why would you want to limit God's blessings? If you had a table full of presents in front of you and there were five presents and you only opened two of them, 
you'd be missing out on three. Why would you want to do that? I think our view on children needs to change. In the Old Testament, barrenness was looked at as a curse. Children were looked at as a blessing, and today we call barrenness a blessing and children a curse. Maybe not in those words, but it's the way we treat the situation. So if I could encourage you to just think about how you view children in general and how you view your own children and to be thankful for your children. You know, I am so grateful for the family that I have because I've thought about this several times during these lockdown situations. That if I had followed conventional wisdom and moved out on my own because that's what you're supposed to do when you become an adult, I could very easily be quarantining by my singular self, which would be difficult anyway given my disability. And I'd be even more lonely than I have been during these times. Instead, I'm in a household that still has six members, and I'm grateful. So I just want you to think about that and be grateful for the family that is around you no matter what the number is. It's not about a number. If you commit to trusting God and He gives you no children or He gives you one child or He gives you two children, rejoice in those children. Alright, the next thing on my list of things to be thankful for is to be thankful for your parents. This is another thing that the culture at large doesn't really want us to do. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 and 2, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Does that say the state? Does that say the school? No, it says father and mother. We are in a situation, and I did a podcast about this a few weeks ago, where schools have stated that they are worried about undue influence from parents in their educational practices. Now, I'm I'm thankful to work for a school that relies on the support and participation of parents. But do you realize that in the Bible, it never once says, educators, train your children. When it does talk about educators, it says that a father may appoint a tutor to guide a child for a period of time. But it's always under the father's authority. And the Bible says to parents, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, is that a hard and fast biblical truth? No, but it's a principle. It's a principle. My convictions, my, my moral fortitude 
My respect for the word of God comes because I had parents that said, this is the truth and it should be embraced. That's why speaking for him exists. And so I want to encourage you. You may have other teachers teaching your kids, but please do not miss the fact that it's your job to train them up. And for the kids listening, for the children in the audience, and we're pretty much all children. We've all had parents. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And as you become an adult, the second part of the passage kicks in. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So my job is to honor my parents. Even as a 41-year-old man. And we're in a position, going along with the gender fluidity is the fluidity of other standards. We're in the position where Paul talks about where men would become lovers of themselves and haters of their parents. We need to not do that. We need to be countercultural in the best way. We need to honor our parents. And that brings up some issues related to the lockdown. I mean, one of the one of the problems with this whole lockdown situation is that the virus is real. So we can't act like it's it's a hoax. But then we have to balance this encouragement to separate from our families. Where it's warranted, where there are health issues, I understand, I respect, but it is not good for us to be solitary. The Bible says that God putteth the solitary in families. So I pray that God will give you wisdom as you navigate what to do, what is the proper response to these restrictions. Because we need each other. And part of health is emotional and mental health, and your family can help you with that in a lot of ways. And then one more passage about honoring your parents says this. Hearken unto thy father that begot thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Proverbs twenty three, twenty two. And I did not realize until I started putting this together how many of these things come from the Proverbs, but the Proverbs is a book of wisdom, so that makes sense. But in this passage we see that we should heed the advice of our father. I don't think there's an age put on that. My dad's wise. He's been through things that I haven't been through. I need to be aware of that. I need to listen to that. And then, despise not thy mother when she is old. Again, we've created this thing in our culture called the generation gap. where you get to a certain point and you go to an exclusive community for people that are older. 
and you do things for people that are older. When I grew up in the Baptist church, there was um, Sunday school classes for every age. You know, there was the, the four and fives all the way up to the senior saints. It was like once you got into a, a different decade of life, you got a new class. And we, we lost what it means to grow and learn together. So again, your mom has been through things that you haven't been through. Your mom knows things that you don't know. And so I'd encourage you to hearken unto your father and to despise not your mother. My mom usually has good advice for me. We need our parents. God gave us our parents for a reason. Now, again, this brings up the issue of we all have struggles because maybe we don't have the best parents. But that's where this last point comes in. The last point that I want to share today is that we can be thankful that we can call God Father. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 It's amazing to me that we can call God friend. Abraham was known as the friend of God. Jesus said, You are my friends. I don't call you servants, but friends, because the servant does not know what his master does. But I call you friends, because everything I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So he calls me friend. And Paul brings it to the next level when he says, not only is God a friend of ours, but we can call him Abba Father. And Abba is a term of intimacy. It's like calling him Daddy and saying, Dad, I need you. We can say that to the God of the universe. So if you are someone today that is struggling because you have a broken family that didn't follow the blueprint that God gave, might I encourage you that God is good. You know, a lot of us get our opinion of God, at least our initial opinion of God, from our own father. So if you had a father that failed you, maybe it's difficult to see God as a good father. But God is something that none of us ever will be, and that is perfect. And the perfect God loves you so much 
that he sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die on a Roman cross, to rise again the third day. He did that because he loved you. And when we accept him, he puts us in the family of God. And I'm so thankful for that. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We are all sons and daughters of God if we trust Jesus for our salvation. So as we go into this Thanksgiving holiday and as we continue to express our thankfulness to God for the things that he has given us, may we be thankful for our family. And perhaps you didn't have a good family growing up. May I encourage you to become a son or a daughter of God today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he also says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Friend, that's what I want for you today is abundant life. I hope that you will uh, think about the things that have been shared. I hope that you all share, as I said, uh, the things that you are thankful for this week so that I can share them with my audience next week. And I hope above all that you have a great week, and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.